Welcome to Asset Protection Today with Attorney Bill Alexander on News Radio 680 WPTF. Thank you so much for joining us this Saturday morning. I am Jason Kong here with Bill Alexander. Bill, the final show of 2019. I hope you had a wonderful Christmas. Woo-woo. Yeah, I, we did. I hope you did as well. I mean, Christmas is always nice in terms of getting together. You know, even though for some of us, uh, the gatherings are not necessarily on Christmas Eve or Christmas Day. Sometimes it's the weekend before or the weekend after. Uh, You know, we have to make do. That's right. (laughs) But uh, it's always a lot of fun. And then, of course, uh, uh, I suspect there are a lot of folks out shopping today, uh, either returning, uh, <laughs> exchanging, or uh, just uh, taking in the the after Christmas sales, which uh, I think sometimes are even steeper discounts than uh, than before, depending on what you're looking for. You like that? Uh, well, no. I mean, from my own perspective, I'm not much of a shopper. Gotcha. When, when I, I I I fall into the category where. Uh, if there's something that I really want and I know where it is, then I I, um, I go to that store, uh, I locate it, I, <laughs> I decide that that's what I want, I go to the register, I pay for it, and I get the heck out of there as quickly as possible. <laughs> so, you know, there... <laughs> I'm not one of these shoppers, and and in fact, uh, the, the the one of the things that uh, that I'm not particularly good at is uh, uh, just uh, going with my wife to the store while she does her shopping, and then I have to sit around. Uh, uh, with absolutely nothing to do. Uh, I mean, I, I guess I, I should learn after so many years to take a book. <laughs> and, you know, but one of the problems for, for a lot of us is the fact that so many stores don't have a place for us to sit down so that we can wait on the real shopper in the family. Uh, you know, and if, if there's not a chair or a bench or something that that we can light on, then, then uh, you know, we've got a real problem. Yeah. <laughs> That's when you go wander off to go somewhere yeah, else. Absolutely. That's what it's all about. But, um, uh, but no, I, I enjoy getting it done and getting out. That's, that's the thing. Now, I, I will – one of the things um, that I think is fun that, um, you know, so when our – a, a lot of folks will be going to our New Year's uh, parties. Um, and so um, uh, here's here's the question for the day that folks can ask at their New Year's parties. Uh, are, are we nearing the end? I mean, are we at the end of the decade? Well, according to everywhere in the news, yes. You know, because we celebrate, you know, uh, all the articles have been about the decade's best this and the best this of the decade. Okay. So the the fact is, for all the smarty pants out there, the fact is, is that this is not the end of the decade. Uh, You know why? Because we didn't start on the year zero. (laughs) The, the decade will be over at the end of 2020, right. not at the not when it flips over to 2020, January 1. So, in essence, the the decade will end on December 31st, 2020, and and that's yeah. In other words, what we we're basically starting into the the beginning 
of the 10th year, if you will, or the beginning mm-hmm. of the 20th year. And so the, the decade's not over until the end uh, <laughs> of the year. And so it's just a mathematical aberration uh, as it relates. It's not the way we think about things uh, because, truthfully, you know, as people are writing things, it, the, the fact is is that when the calendar flips over to 2020, it feels like <laughs> a new decade. And so uh, – but for those folks who want to cause a stir, then this is a question that, that they can pose at their holiday parties uh, – <laughs> and, and it's a show. good way to get a crowd to disperse that's around you, I <laughs> it think. It might be. It might be. But um, just just a fun fact, I think. So it, it's um, it's pretty cool when it, it's um, – Yeah, I like, never thought about, about it like that. Like that. Yeah. Um, now, of course, uh, one of the things that we need to start thinking about this weekend uh, so that we'll be ready – are our New Year's resolutions, because whether it's the beginning of the decade or not doesn't matter. It's still the beginning of a new year. And, of course, we all should think about ways to make ourselves better people, right? Right. Okay. So what kind of New Year's resolutions are we thinking about, Jason? For me? Yeah. Oh, well, I've got plenty. Um, <laughs> Want to get in better shape? I know you've you've done a good job with your new uh blood type diet yeah, uh, yeah, I, yeah. you know that's, true. that's been kind of an inspiration for me so eating better is is one of the top resolutions okay, well for that's next a year. pretty good one i had a, a friend who came by uh, uh just the other day and, and she said that um she, she looked at the book and she just couldn't do it because she was type a uh her blood type was type a and that uh, it, it prevented her from eating anything that she enjoyed eating, and she just wasn't going there. And I don't blame her. <laughs> but, you know, it's uh, but but for those folks uh, where it works uh, for you, it, it is a, a pretty good diet, and I would I would certainly. Uh, uh, commend it to a lot of folks. It certainly has helped me uh, eat right for your blood type. Um, and, and it's been amazing to me, uh, not the fact that I've just lost weight but the fa- this past year, uh, since this summer, but that all of my blood work numbers was uh, really good. I mean, so much better than it's been in uh, many, many years. So I was just really uh, pleased, and I know that it's based on that. But uh, and, of course, from my own perspective, I think the most important uh, New Year's resolution uh, is to get your legal affairs in order. That's right. Come see us. <laughs> you know, but because folks procrastinate about uh, doing what they know they should do. And, and, and I understand. I mean, I, I procrastinate about some things myself, but at the same time, uh, it's it is a good time to get your legal documents in order. Everyone needs them, and all of us think, "Oh well, we have we have plenty of time. Let's not worry about those kinds of things." But the the fact is, is once you get them done, you don't have to worry about it anymore. You don't have to worry about if that crisis comes, where you have to do crisis planning. Um, so it, it really. Uh, makes a difference to have it done, even if you just do real simple kinds of things, but to get good professional help, not to try to do it yourself, because people just don't understand the options that they have 
that good professional help uh, can give them. Uh, it's not about just having any old document. It's about to have the ones that are right for you based on your circumstances and your family and and uh, what the laws are. So it, there's, a, there's a lot out there, and it's not just necessarily what everybody else has got. Um, it's you know, because we're all different. We all have different family situations, and we all have different needs. We're all, you know, it, it's the kind of thing where um, you need documents that are personalized to you, uh, and that's really important. So uh, I would certainly encourage folks to get off their duff and think about uh, getting their documents done. You know, uh, even though uh, the weather lately has been pretty nice, um, it, it, we're heading into colder weather where you can't get out and go play golf or get out in the garden and and you're stuck inside so you might as well get your documents done that's right <laughs> no excuse not to exactly you got some more time on your hands absolutely so i would certainly uh encourage that now there there is one other thing that uh, a lot of organizational folks would tell you in terms of uh, because the fact is, is that most of us, after you know, we we make our good New Year's resolutions, and then by February, those those resolutions are out the window. So, <laughs> you know, all of us uh, probably uh, could continue down the road of better health by, uh, you know, uh, having a, a good diet, losing a little bit of weight. Um, you know, for a lot of folks, it might be stop smoking. Uh, that's that's a biggie that could could make a huge difference in your life. Um, getting a little bit of exercise uh, is uh, another one we all know we're supposed to do, and and we all sort of just chunk it up. Uh, you know, the, it's funny. The health clubs tend to be packed in January, and by February, there's hardly anybody there anymore. So. Uh, that's an unfortunate thing. I, I really think that the most important thing in any kind of of a New Year's resolution is um, taking small steps at whatever it is. Um, it, you know, don't try to do it in one fell swoop. I mean, it's it's like uh, smoking and trying to stop. I mean, no. I mean, how many folks can just do it cold turkey? That would be really, really hard to do. Uh, but the same thing's true with diet and exercise. You can't just go from being a, a couch potato to um, a health nut. That, that that doesn't work. I mean, you'll be uh, back on the couch in February. <laughs> so small steps. That's, you know, and, and once you're really comfortable with each little step, you can take another step. But... Uh, I'll, I'll give a secret, at least for my own, um, uh, you know, because there, there was a time I needed to lose some weight, for sure, and I still can lose a few pounds. But the thing that helped me more than anything didn't have anything to do, uh, really, with uh, eating less or going on this uh, new diet that I've been talking about, you know, eating right for your blood type. You know what it was? What's that? A small step. Um uh, I, I weigh every day. I have a set of scales in the bathroom, uh, and uh, every morning when I get up, I weigh myself. And, uh, you know, like I said, that doesn't have anything to do with what I eat, but it gives me a gauge every day, um, which helps me determine what I might eat that day 
or what I might do that day. And it's easy to do. I mean, it's uh, and all you got to do is go buy a scale. If you don't have one, there's some really good ones out there. And it's amazing to me because my, you know, my weight can vary by a pound, pound and a half, or two, even two pounds uh, in a particular day. But uh, depending on circumstances, and uh, but you know, it's the kind of thing where if you have a couple extra pounds on, it's like, uh oh, I better you know scale back a little bit. And and like I said, small steps. And that one to me is is one because. Um, uh, I, I'm a b- big believer in information. The, the more we know, the better we are, and uh, the better decisions we can make. And, you know, it's just a way to have more information that's helpful to us. And so, you know, a little secret, small steps. Yeah, that's a great <laughs> idea because, you know, so often we gain a pound here, a pound there over time, and it just sort of sneaks up on you. But if you're checking up daily, then uh, it's, it's hard for that to happen. Well, we need to take a quick break. If uh, you want to get on one of your resolutions to get your legal documents in order, like Bill mentioned earlier, I encourage you to schedule an appointment to speak with Bill. Go to WGALaw.com. That's WGALaw.com. That's Bill's website. Or you can call the office, 919 919- Two five six seven thousand nine one nine two five six seven thousand. We'll be back right after this. You're listening to Asset Protection Today with Attorney Bill Alexander on News Radio six eighty WPTF. You're listening to Asset Protection Today with Attorney Bill Alexander on News Radio 680 WPTF. Jason Kong here with Bill Alexander. Thank you so much for joining us. And Bill, you know, the name of the show is Asset Protection Today, but uh, asset protection is something that we all need to focus on, and uh, we also need to be aware of some pitfalls when uh, we're trying to set up our asset protection plan. No question about it. And and frankly, it, it's uh, asset protection is something that I'm well known for in the state. Mm-hmm. And, and um, I'm proud of that fact that I can help people secure their wealth, secure their home, secure their farms, not have to worry about losing it. Uh, that's so important uh, to folks. Um, and it's uh, it's there are things we can do, and and uh, most folks who've listened to the show will know that I'm a big believer uh, in using limited liability companies LLCs, which I think is actually the best uh, one of the best devices that's fairly inexpensive for folks to use to um, uh, put up barriers between their personal property. Uh, and creditors, if you will. Uh, of course, it, it requires that you have some kind of business to, I mean, or rental properties or something. Uh, I mean, if, if you simply work um, uh, for a company and you're an employee, then that, that doesn't rise to the level of, of what are you going to put in an LLC? You, you can't put your home in there. That's uh, you, it's supposed to be business property. And, of course, the same things for a corporation. Uh, they're very similar in, in the fact that they both uh, have limited liability as it, or gives you limited liability uh, as it relates to your personal things. Although 
one of the th- you know I've, I've also said on this show many times that the foundation stone to any asset protection plan is liability insurance. So it's not just about having the right legal documents in place or using LLCs or corporations. Your liability insurance has to be in place uh, with an umbrella policy, uh, which is important. Uh, and then you, that can be supplemented to give you even greater protection w- if, if you have any kind of business properties. And, of course, the other thing that businesses give you, I mean, to the degree whether it's a, a business, could be an at-home business, it could be rental properties, it could be a lot of different things, um, but having a limited liability company for that property, for what you're doing, does give you another layer of protection. But there's a big hole in it. And the, the, this is something that so many folks don't realize. So it's like, where are the holes? Where are the things that will get us in trouble even though we have a limited liability company or corporation? Well, a big hole for a lot of small businessmen and women who um, have a corporation is they don't keep up their corporate book or they don't even have a corporate book, or they've never, they don't even think about um, uh, bylaws of a corporation because it's just, it's, and sometimes it's a, a, a one-person show who owns the, the company, or it might be a married couple who owns, uh, you know, the, the corporation or the LLC. Well, if it's a corporation, corporations have certain requirements every year, uh, which uh, you're required to keep records of decisions that are made. There's an annual shareholders meeting that's required. There's an annual board of directors meeting that's required. There's an election of officers annually that's required. And there's there's other documentation that's required. It's it's like, okay, if you're going to have a salary, a board of directors needs to approve that salary. And, and I can hear people say, hey, wait a minute, but I'm the only person in the corporation. I own the corporation. I'm the president of the corporation. It's just me. Why do I have to keep all these records? Well, fact is the law requires you to keep the records. And even if you, all you're doing is meeting yourself <laughs> and you keep a record uh, that you met and that you uh, elected a board of directors, and then you keep a record that the board of directors elected you as president and treasurer of your company, and then you uh, have a friend or, a, or your spouse who is the secretary who can certify that you're the president and has the authority to act. That is something that's really important. And guess what? If you don't keep corporate records, and of course it also requires that you have a corporate bank account and that everything is done according uh, as a business proposition. In other words, uh, your your business bank account is only used for business purposes, i.e. you don't go to the grocery store or the liquor store and use a, a company check to buy it, to take it home to, you know, cook, cook dinner or enjoy your cocktail or whatever. Those, that's not a business function. <laughs> that's a personal function. So you keep business functions business and personal uh, functions personal. 
Uh, now, so that's a big hole if you're not keeping corporate records, if you're a corporation out. The good news is an LLC doesn't have those requirements, so it's a whole lot easier not to drop into that hole. But where's another hole? Another big hole that folks miss is the fact that if you have um, an LLC or a corporation and you personally manage it, which is the case for most of us, okay, you have some protection from liability, but not complete protection. And why is that? It's because you are personally managing it. And so you could create liability because of your failure to manage properly. The easiest way to explain it is, let's say you have a rental house and uh, you manage the rentals. In other words, you uh, take the complaints, you go over there and or you hire a plumber or you or you go over there and fix the door yourself, and you basically figure out who you're going to rent to, uh, and you collect the rents. In other words, you are doing self-management. Well, guess what? You you do have some greater protection because your rental house is in your LLC, but because you're managing it, if if for instance something goes wrong and your tenant is injured or their guest is injured guess who they're going to sue? They're not only going to sue your LLC who rents it to them, but they're going to sue the manager, and that's you. <laughs> so, uh, And they can effectively get to your personal uh, resources, your personal assets, by suing you personally as the manager of the company. And so what I'm getting at is that you still have to be careful. You still have to have your um, – uh, your liability insurance in place, and you still have to separate other assets out. So those are the two big holes. And, of course, the management uh, piece applies not only to um, LLCs, but it applies to corporations as well. So it really doesn't matter whether you have a C-Corp, an S-Corp, uh, or a partnership or an LLC, you still have the management issues. An- another illustration of that would be in my law firm. Um, you know, I'm uh, the owner of the firm, and but I have associates. And if I make a mistake personally, then my law firm can be liable, but I'm also personally liable. That's why I have malpractice insurance, because of that personal liability. I mean, truthfully, I'm not worried about the liability of the law firm LLC, you know, the PLLC, because there's not much in there for a creditor to take anyway. But now, if my associate makes a mistake and messes up, and now, you know, she would have malpractice insurance as well, but typically speaking, they're not going to be able to sue me personally for her mistake. They can sue the the, the law firm. Uh, as a company because she works for the law firm. But that's different. My personal resources aren't at risk for a mistake that somebody else in the firm might make. And so those are real important concepts for folk to understand with, with asset protection. Yep. You've got to be aware of that. And 
The best way to do that is to get some advice from an expert. If you own a business and want someone to look over your current plans and maybe make sure that you don't fall into one of these holes when it comes to asset protection, get a hold of the best in the business. That's Bill. Go to WGALaw.com. That's WGALaw.com. And from there, you can schedule an appointment to speak with Bill. You can also call 919-256-7000. 2567000. A quick break and back with more. This is Asset Protection Today with Attorney Bill Alexander on News Radio 680 WPTF. News Radio 680 WPTF. This is Asset Protection Today with Attorney Bill Alexander. I am Jason Kong, and thank you for joining us. We are talking about, hey, you guessed it, asset protection. And Bill, we were focusing on business owners and LLCs and corporations, uh, but we want to shift focus here a little bit and focus on asset protection when it comes to trusts. Absolutely. So here's the first thing, uh, and I I don't want to call it a hole. I want folks to recognize because there are an awful lot of people who think that if you create any kind of trust, that that trust will automatically give you asset protection. And that is completely false. Um, The main uh, trust or the trust that is m- most used out there by attorneys for planning purposes is uh, called a revocable trust, or sometimes they're called living trusts. And while that's not technically correct, because a living trust is any trust that you create while you're living, uh, but almost all um, trusts that are called living trusts are actually revocable trusts. Uh, and It's important for folks to know that a revocable trust does not in any way give you asset protection. If you create the trust and it's revocable, it is not a barrier to your creditors. Now, it does give your creditors one additional step in their process of of going against you in a lawsuit. However, Uh, it doesn't give you any real protection from creditors at all. Now, what a revocable trust often is used to do is to give asset protection through an irrevocable trust at your death that you create for your spouse or your children or your grandchildren. And so irrevocable trust, in other words, a revocable trust that turns into an irrevocable trust can, doesn't always have it, but can have asset protection features as well. Now, most trusts that I review don't have asset protection even after you die because there are an awful lot of uh, trusts out there that that their primary function uh, is simply to avoid probate and to be able to distribute trust property uh, quickly and more efficiently at your death. And that's that's nice, but it's not really the best reason uh, for to have an, uh, a trust. Now, with that said, I want to move over to another piece of asset protection, and is ha- that's how to lower your income tax. You know, estate tax is easy to avoid because, truthfully, there's only a small, very small percentage of folks that need to worry about it. But 
Irrevocable trusts can be used not only for estate tax planning, which uh, uh, very well-to-do families, that one-tenth of one percent, they need uh, estate tax planning, and they can do that with irrevocable trust. Now, even those families should start out with a revocable trust as their basic plan, but then they need to supplement it with irrevocable trust. Now, What's real interesting, and this is something that can be used, uh, and I, so I hope the CPAs and other attorneys who do planning are listening because um, it's a concept that most folks don't understand, and it's one of those things that is a, uh, can be a huge help to families. And it's, it's called How to Plan for a Step-Up in Income Tax Basis. And some folks are out there scratching their heads. And I have no clue what that means. Well, it's it's like this: if you acquire property, you know, if you bought something 30 years ago, and now it's much more valuable than it was back when you bought it, whether it's business property or not, uh, what's in there is capital gains. And now it's not taxed until or unless you sell it, but but. But those gains typically are not taxed in terms of the growth and value of that property. So the question is, how can you be able how can you um, sell that property and not have to pay those income taxes? Well, that everybody's interested in that. Well, the biggest mistake a lot of folks make is in in trying to protect that property, they make an absolute gift of that property to their children or grandchildren, and that guarantees that the children will end up with what? Capital gains tax that they have to pay. Because if you make an absolute gift of your property, you're not just giving the property, you're giving your tax income tax basis with the property, okay? Now, if you inherit property, then you get what's called a step-up. And what that means is that the value of the property at the time of your death, the fair market value, is what your children or grandchildren would take the property at. That's called a step-up. And it's really important in terms of planning. Well, here's the idea that so many folks miss. You can create, in an irrevocable trust, whether it's a living irrevocable trust or one that you create later on, um, you can uh, have multiple step-ups in income tax basis with what's called a power of appointment. And so it's it can be a limited power of appointment. And so, for instance, let's say that you're trying to... Um, Uh, do something uh, while you're alive to get a step up. So you create an irrevocable trust for your spouse and your children, and you can do this in North Carolina. It's more difficult. You can't create it for yourself, but you can create one for your, your spouse and your children and your grandchildren. And if you have a parent who is, is still living, but let's say they're getting up there in age and they're, um, then you could add an, an older relative, like a parent or a grandparent, to your irrevocable trust as a potential um, beneficiary of, of your trust, one of a bunch of beneficiaries in your irrevocable trust, and give that person a power of appointment, okay? 
to be able to change who the beneficiaries are. Well, guess what? When you give that grandparent or parent that power of appointment, and and they have that power of appointment for at least one year before they die, then guess what? When that person dies, then all of the other beneficiaries, in essence, get a step up in income tax basis to the fair market value of the property when the grandparent dies. So now you can sell that Microsoft stock or that, that uh, Norfolk Southern or the Duke Energy or whatever you've been holding for the last 30 years. Uh, that is so much more valuable now and not have to pay any income tax on it. So it's a very powerful concept if it's used properly. And the irrevocable trust methodology is uh, one great way to do that. Could save you a great deal of money, but it's one of those things where you probably need an expert to guide you along the way. And you might want to get a hold of Bill to schedule an appointment to discuss uh, your personal situation with him. You can go online to WGALaw.com or call 919-256-7000. 919-256-7000. A quick break and back with more. You're listening to Asset Protection Today with Attorney Bill Alexander on News Radio 680 WPTF. Welcome back to Asset Protection Today with Attorney Bill Alexander on News Radio 680 WPTF. Jason Kong here with Bill Alexander, and we hope you've enjoyed the program so far this morning. And Bill, if folks listen to your podcast, the Asset Protection Today podcast, and scroll back a few episodes, they'll find an episode you did warning us about potential changes with stretch IRAs and the SECURE Act. Well, uh, Congress and the President have acted on that, and we now have a Secure Act signed into law. We sure did, I mean, and and it's uh, it was all it came as a surprise. Actually, I thought it was a no brainer, uh, you know, back in October, September, October, that it was uh, heading towards quick passage, and it ended up in a spending bill. In other words, it wasn't passed as uh, just uh, on its own merits. It was thrown in. Uh, to a spending bill uh, to keep the uh, keep the government running, <laughs> which is, I mean, unfortunately, it, it's uh, this is the way laws seem to be passed uh, today, which again is another unfortunate consequence of of uh, just how how um, our government uh, runs today. Uh, but it's uh, it, that's just a, a sad statement. But but it, it is important for folks to understand that that this is a huge change uh, and it affects uh, everybody with retirement accounts and the, the you know retirement accounts for many f- folks uh, has actually overcome the uh, most the biggest asset that people have. You know, in times past, it, the biggest asset people had was always their home. Not true anymore. I mean, sometimes it's still true, but more often than not, the retirement account is far larger than the, the um, value of one's home. And so knowing uh, how these retirement accounts work is, is extremely important to folks. And uh, now that the secure now, so people say, "Well, what's the Secure Act? What does it mean?" 
Well, it means a number of different things, and uh, it's effective right now. And so, uh, well, first of all, uh, if you're age 70 or getting close to 70 and your, your financial advisor has told you, well, when you turn 70 and a half, it's always – I always thought that was pretty funny, 70 and a half – was the age where you had to start taking required minimum distributions from your retirement accounts. Well, folks, no longer. That age has changed to 72. So you have an extra year and a half before you have to take required minimum distributions. Well, I will also say this. It's, uh, you know, most financial advisors will always tell you not to take anything out of your retirement account because it grows income tax-free. However, there is one thing that most uh, advisors don't take into consideration that every uh, person with a retirement account should take into consideration, and that is your tax rate. Uh, because uh, particularly uh, for folks uh, who are married, uh, because guess what? If you're married, your tax rate is combined. And so you have twice as high uh, of in, you know in terms of those income tax rate caps, uh, where and so what I'm getting at is oftentimes because of retirement account income, a single person will pay a higher rate of tax on a retirement account distribution than a married couple. You know, particularly if you're already retired, then you have a whole lot more leeway. And for, for particularly if you're if you're in a situation where your spouse is sickly or life expectancy is less, uh, then you may want to do some uh, to look at your retirement accounts to take more than required minimum distributions because you would pay less tax on that distribution, and that can be a significant factor that a lot of folks don't think about. But what are the some of the other things about the Secure Act? The main thing that's really important is because when we leave our retirement account to our children or grandchildren. They are no longer going to, unless they fall into an exception, which is very rare, um, they're not going to be able to stretch the IRA. Now, people will say, well, what does that mean? Well, what it means is is that even if you're a 10-year-old and you receive a, an, an IRA from your parent, uh, you have always had a required minimum distribution each year, you know, you're 10th year, 11th year, 12th year, and until uh, – uh, and so in essence – but you could stretch it through your entire lifetime, and that's what we call a stretch IRA. Uh, and that's good tax planning, uh, particularly the younger you are, the better. Uh, but now uh, most people who receive an inherited IRA – in other words, an IRA for someone else um, – they will only have 10 years – to take all of it, and and that, that basically means taxable distributions. Uh, so depending on how large it is, uh, for a lot of folks, it means that you need to be planning on how to take those distributions over each of those 10 years because 
for most people, it's not a great idea to wait 10 years and take it all in the 10th year because the taxes will be eat you up uh, in a big, big, bad way. Uh, but if it's a smaller IRA, maybe that, that plan will work. But what I'm really getting at is it's going gonna, it's gonna to make it more complicated for folks to understand how to take their distributions. Now, it does not apply to spouses, you know, so yes, a spouse can still roll over uh, their deceased spouse's IRA. Uh, that's an important uh, thing. So it does not apply to spouses. It does not apply to those who are disabled. They can still stretch. They, they you know, now it's really not a good idea for, to leave IRAs to, to uh, disabled people on Medicaid. Now, those who are on Social Security disability with Medicare, then that's still fine. But, but um, it's important for folks to understand that there are exceptions. So the spouse is an exception. Disabled is an exception. A minor child does not have the 10-year rule. Their 10 years starts when they turn 18. <laughs> when they turn adult, then they have 10 more years. But they don't have the 10-year rule if they inherit at age 3 or, or 15. Uh, they Not until they're 18 does the 10 years uh, start to run. Uh, and so those are important exceptions. And then there's one other, and that is if you are uh, within 10 years of the decedent. So let's say the decedent's uh, uh, 79 years old and you're 70 years old. Well, in that case, it does not apply to you. You would have your required minimum distributions that start at 72 but you won't have the 10-year rule. I mean, you just hope you're going to live 10 years. <laughs> but, but you understand what I'm saying. So, for instance, if the decedent is 60 and, and you're 55, you don't have the 10-year rule. You, you basically have minimum required distributions each year under those circumstances. So, you know, there are some exceptions to the rule. But the, and there's one other thing that's really important. And that is if you have an IRA trust that many people created to pretty push their children and grandchildren into stretching their IRA inheritance, those trusts need to be amended now uh, or you need to change your beneficiary designations. Those trusts are almost always disasters at this point unless or until they are amended so if you have an IRA trust, you need to get it amended. Go find a professional. If you want to schedule an appointment to talk to Bill, call 919-256-7000. That's 919-256-7000. Or go online to WGALaw.com. A quick break and back with more. This is Asset Protection Today with Attorney Bill Alexander on News Radio 680 WPTF.
This is Asset Protection Today with Attorney Bill Alexander on News Radio 680 WPTF. Bill, I just want to say it's been a pleasure working with you this year, and I'm looking forward to doing it again in 2020. I wish you and everyone at WG Alexander and Associates a happy new year. Uh, thank you so much, and and I look forward to being back next year. That's this is a lot of fun for me, and I just want to wish everyone a safe and happy uh, New Year's Eve and New Year's Day. Uh, uh, it's uh, important to stay safe and have fun. Stay safe, have fun, and then get your documents in order after you're done partying. <laughs> Go to WGALaw.com or call 919-256-7000. Don't forget to check out Bill's seminar coming up on January 8th. You can also download his Asset Protection Today podcast. It's available wherever you listen to your podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, Spotify, anywhere you can find a podcast, you can find the Asset Protection Today podcast. On behalf of Bill Alexander, I'm I'm Jason Kong, thanking you for listening to Asset Protection Today with Attorney Bill Alexander on News Radio 680 WPTF. Have a wonderful weekend.